Amen. Well, I'm excited about being able to speak tonight. Um, you ever just have a moment during the week, during a month, where God gets a hold of you and something, something special? I don't know what if I'm going to share with you tonight. It's going to have much for you, but had a lot for me. I um, went to a Bible study this week from our work, and uh, working for BG Products is, uh, is a blessing. Dustin, say amen. <laughs> we work. Um, there, there's a measure of faith in our company, and, and, and I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you I'm disappointed with how serious they take their faith. But as a corporation, this company puts God, at least in name, uh, on their company, and they say the pledge, and they pray before meetings. And, and that's a little unique to corporate America. But there's a gentleman that works for us, um, shared his testimony on Tuesday, and it so touched my heart that I, uh, I got to share part of it with you, and it stirred me up onto this concept about the land of opportunity. And I'm going to speak to you on that tonight, and um, you know, if nothing else, that blessing inside of me is just going to at least get released. So some of y'all are blessed, congratulations, that's awesome, but we're going to honor the Lord, and I want to talk to you about what He's done. Uh, Lord, just thank you, God, for this time. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to come in, and we come together to lift up your name. And Jesus, tonight I want to honor you with the word that's in my heart. I want to honor you, God, to the best of my ability. And Lord, we preach you, and we preach your crucifixion and your resurrection and everything about you, God. I know that in that lives are changed, that when your spirit, God, brings the word, there is a separating of flesh and spirit. And so tonight, God, I would ask that you would do that separating, that as we speak from the heart and we, we try to put the light and focus upon you, God, that your spirit would make that word alive in the hearts of everyone here. And help me, God, to bring that word with clarity, with love, and with truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. There is a, an off, there is a, a great opportunity in America, and the American dream has some really great truths about it. But it also runs a little contrary. Some parts of it run a little contrary to the kingdom of God. There are some aspects of the American dream that, that aren't necessarily godly, but there are some aspects of it that are. And one of the things about America that is so unique is that in this country, there are a lot of parallels to God's kingdom, much of it because it is founded largely in a biblical fashion, on biblical principles. So the founding fathers had a lot of biblical influence. The, the story of Scripture, the laws of Scripture, greatly influenced the foundation of this country. And so it can't help but have some reflections of God. And it started off in a, such a great and powerful way. And it is only because of its people today, the people heaped to themselves, teachers who would tickle the ear, the people heaped to themselves, politicians who are corrupt, the people heaped to themselves, people in offices that are corrupt. Amen? But the system, the design, uh, the foundation of this country, it was a land of opportunity and it still is a land of opportunity. This man that I had a chance to listen to, he is an immigrant. And he uh, was, was born and raised in Laos. He was born in 1970. Now, some of you historians, I know, Dustin, you might keep track of the dates on me. I don't have it perfect. But the Vietnam War lasted roughly from 1955 to 1975, roughly about 20 years. Now, the American occupation of that, the amount of soldiers we sent, it's a little bit debated, but somewhere around 1964 to about 1973, we had a presence. We had a military presence, and we fought. 
alongside of countries like Laos and South Vietnam against the communism that was coming in through North Vietnam. The communist regime, it is evil, purely. There is nothing good about communism. The spread of that government was to murder, to destroy, to kill. Uh, we have a scripture that talks about the thief. What does he come to do? There's only, there's only one end game. is You fall in line with the thief, you fall in line with the enemy, or you are destroyed. And so communist China is coming down through North Vietnam and, and, and Laos and Cambodia. And South Vietnam are, are taking up arms to fight for freedom during these years. And America is fighting alongside that. So this, this man, Henry, was 1970 to 1975, part of a family who fought against communism. And his dad was a freedom fighter for Laos. And they were people proud to fight alongside America. He starts to share his story, and he said, in 1975, we were conquered. We became a communist country. And he said, he said, what's interesting, he goes, Chris, we were at one point, my dad was a hero. My dad is a freedom fighter, but, but how things changed. When America pulled out in 1973 and then by 75, we had lost the war to China. Now my family's in danger. We have to go covert. We have to go underground. We, we, we live in a jungle farm. We are off the river of the Mekong River, which separates Thailand, and it separates Laos, and that river runs all the way up through China, one of the largest rivers in the world. He said, we live close to that in jungle property, no phone, no communication, no power. He said, but, but our neighbors would turn us in because my dad was a known military soldier fighting for freedom, and, and here we are, I'm about five years old, and my mom is now left to run this farm. My dad had to flee. He had to, had to flee the country. We don't know where he went, where he's at. But we know that we have to be quiet. We have to be hidden. We can't even talk to our own family. Sounds a little like Nazi Germany. You remember that most of what was turned in, most of the people you had to be careful of was your friends and neighbors and your family. We experience a little of that in the communist regime of California. That area, I mean, COVID was a big deal. If somebody saw you not wearing a mask, you might, mask, you might get called on. We actually were walking in the park. Do you remember this, Sandy? We were walking as a family in the park during COVID, and a lady confronted us because we had a group of people and we weren't wearing a mask. It's our family. But imagine a communist nation looking to kill you because you had a family member who was fighting against them. You see, when communism would take over, they would eliminate any opposition, period. Men, women, children, you're dead. You cannot be opposed to this government. So this family is living in great fear. Dad is gone, living in a jungle. They have a rice farm. They've got pigs and chickens, and that's all they have. That's how they make their living. They, they head to that Mekong River, and, and in that river they get their water, and, and, and there's fish there. It's, it, it actually produces 25% of the world's freshwater fish. It's a huge river. Henry said from 1975 until 1980, they lived semi-underground. His mom began to save. His mom began to slowly sell parts and pieces of this business they had. She couldn't do it all at once for fear of being caught. But she began to sell her heirloom, some few pieces of jewelry that she had, collecting as much money as she could to get her children out of Laos. And in 1980, at 10 years old, they had a plan. And his mom was able to find passage across this river in the middle of the night in a canoe 
Henry said that when she told her children of the plan, he said, Mom, when we go down to that river and when we wash our clothes and we, we get some fish and we, we do some of those things, there's bodies on that bank. People die. And she said, that's right, because the communists, they run that river at night and they kill anyone trying to cross. You see, Thailand was, was a free nation and if they could get across that river into Thailand, they would get their freedom. But she had to make it. Henry said, Chris, at 10 years old, I have never experienced more fear in my life, and I remember every moment of that night. 30 minutes, we paddled in a canoe, and for 30 minutes, I thought every second as my heart beat, it'd be its last. He said, I knew we'd die. At 10 years old, in the darkest part of night so they could hide, he said, I knew I would die. And they made it. He said, we got across the river. We, we get to Thailand. He goes, and then this whole journey, and I'll spare you the details, but trying to get passage, trying to find their father. It was weeks. It was all the money that they had. They finally, his dad had been trying to get a hold of them, been trying to get people over to, over to Laos, trying to get them home, and eventually they reunited. And, and this was so cool. The state of Oklahoma was a refuge. He got sent to Oklahoma City. His dad had been sent here because they were part of, of this freedom and part of fighting with America, that they, they were considered allies. And so his dad had been smuggled out of the country and it was sent to Oklahoma City where he had already started to build a life and trying to build everything he could to get his family home. And now they're reunited and he's, he's flown to Oklahoma City and he said, you talk about a land of opportunity. He said, at 10 years old, I, I come to this nation and and I'm not afraid of the river. I'm not afraid of people getting killed every night. I, we have food to eat. We have all these modern conveniences. We couldn't even believe it. He said, and, and on top of that, they wanted to educate us. He said, I got to take ESL classes. That is English second language. He, they taught me in my language from Laos, and they taught me English, and they taught me arithmetic. They taught me how to read and write, history, science. They gave me all the resources. For what reason? Because we were allied with America. Because my dad put his life on the line for such a nation. He said at 14 years old, he's up here four years, a man started to drive a, a church bus through our neighborhood. He says a little Baptist church, and he started picking kids up. And he, of course, he said, and they're giving us candy. And I thought, how cool. I'm getting free candy to go to church. Sunday school teachers teaching about Jesus. He said it was just a matter of, some months, and, and I found the Lord Jesus. And he said, I, I really believe that the whole opportunity that I had to come to this nation, it wasn't about the money, it wasn't about the provision, it wasn't about the education. It was so I could hear the gospel. Because communism wants to stamp out the name of Jesus. And he said, as, as communism took control and communist China and the Soviet Union were backing North Vietnam and coming through to destroy and to take over. They want to stamp out the name of God. They wanted to stamp out Jesus. I'd never heard of Jesus. I'd never heard the gospel. I believe God sent me here so I could hear about Jesus. He said, I found Christ. He said in his early 20s, he's going to college now. He's actually got a doctorate in theology. Works for BG Products. That's pretty cool. In his college years... He gets the opportunity of a lifetime to become a full American citizen. Some of his family go before the court in Oklahoma. I just, I just don't know what this is like. But they got to swear allegiance to a nation, to a country. 
And he said, save our lives. I said, Henry, I don't know what that feels like. You see, I was born in this thing. I, I take what I have for granted. I don't even, I know that I do, but I don't know how not to. I don't know how not to wake up in the morning and, and not fear for my life. I wake up stressed about the day. I, I've got jobs to do and people, you know, expecting me to work and things I've got to do. I don't know what it's like to fear that somebody's going to turn me in because I believe in freedom. I don't understand that. But I tell you, I appreciate that there's somebody like you to remind me how important this opportunity is, how big of a deal it was. I thought about my family, and I've got a great-great-grandfather and a great-great-grandmother who fled Nazi Germany and pretty much Nazi Italy under Mussolini and under Adolf Hitler. And they came to this country as immigrants, and they came the right way. Now, I'm not going to dovetail too much into this, but I have to mention it. There is a right way to come to America. There is a right way to come. And, and the problem with an open border, the issue you're seeing right now, it's the wrong way in. You see, all it produces is chaos. You see, with an open border and not a real way to come in, you have people unappreciative of what they're coming into. Now, there are some that are, but there is trafficking being moved back and forth across the border. Human, drugs, violence, thieves, right on the border. You can talk to anybody who's living on the Texas border, the California border. It's a mess. It's chaos. There's only one way to come in properly. That is to come through the door. You come through the right channel. You come in, you produce, you learn, you become part of the nation. And this is what was such a big deal to Henry and a big deal to his family was he got to come in and he got to honor the land and honor this government and honor its people. And so for him, when he got to swear, when he got in his college years and he got to say, I, I want to be a part of this nation by my allegiance to it, it meant something. We come from California, and if you come in illegally there, you have the right to vote. You get free welfare. You get free medical. You get everything given to you just for making it in, and you've got to vote the right way to make that happen. There's no appreciation. There is not a lot of sacrifice. There's not a lot of commitment, and so thereby you see the chaos. But, but hang on, Chris. It's hard to get in the way the law is set up. Chris, it's difficult. It's a narrow way to get into the nation. It's not easy. We need to make it easier. We need to make it more palatable. It's got to be open so that everybody has an opportunity to come in. So what we do in the kingdom of God is very similar, isn't it? I'm sorry, the way is narrow. The call goes forth. The call is forth to whosoever will. That's the call. That's what Jesus says. He says, come to me. The call is there, but the way is narrow. There's some pressure there. There's only one door, and any other way is a thief and a robber, and the other way is destruction and chaos, and you can see it right now. You can't open a border and say, everybody come in how you are. Bring what you have. Don't change. Don't do anything different. Just come as you are. Stay as you are. Be as you are, whether it's criminal or not. This is not how liberty and freedom can be maintained. So in the land of opportunity, 
kingdom of God. I think the number one opportunity that we have is life. I think there's life in the kingdom of God. It doesn't come without death. You don't get it without sacrifice. You don't get to it without laying down yourself. In John 10, 9 through 11, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. The thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus didn't start this kingdom without dying himself. The king of the kingdom laid down his life. He gives himself for the sheep, and he's the door. And you come in and out, and you find pasture. Listen, you're going to live your life in this kingdom. You're going to go in and out. You're going to work. You're going to go to church. You're going to have businesses, education, family, things that you do. But as you're going and doing, you cannot forget the door is Christ. The pasture is Christ. The provision is Christ. That's his pasture that you're grazing upon. That is his world, his kingdom that you're being provided in. This family that you've made, these children that you have, the people around you, the businesses that you're running, that's all within a pasture land. In his kingdom. And as you go in and out from the door, you never leave off of Christ. When Henry came to America, he, he said, I, I just want to be an American citizen. That's a, that's a name. That's a title that he can't forget. That, that is something that he took so to heart. He said, it's the proudest moment of my life. I never forget I'm an American citizen. And I said, brother, I, I don't know if I have a day that I think that. I don't know, there's a single day that I wake up and go, man, I'm so glad I'm an American. I wake up and I say, I love my family. I go work hard. I love my God. I do these things. But do you see the difference? It is his identity. Now, as he found Christ, he said, I've learned. I'm Jesus first. But man, does he love his nation. I said, Henry, I would wish to God that Christians around this country that Christians in this place, I don't know what they're doing in the rest of the world, but I would that Christians would wake up and say, I am in the kingdom of God. I am a Christian. I have His name on me. I have Him in me, around me. I'm called to His purpose. This kingdom is about Him. Man, I wish that I could wake up and realize this daily of the opportunity that I have, the land, the kingdom that I have a chance to be a part of. It's so valuable. In Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live. Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Freedom isn't free. Now listen, we don't come into this thing and automatically assume that I have the freedom to live however I want to live. They come into this country, and if they come in whichever way they want, they can break whichever laws they want to break. Becoming an American citizen doesn't give you the right to break her laws. You will pay taxes. But, Chris, it's unconstitutional to pay federal income tax. Well, it may be, but there's enough of those agents out there that you're going to pay. You're not getting away with that, not too long. There's taxes you've got to pay. There are systems of government and law that you've got to follow. 
There's a whole thing to this land that you're going to have to learn and obey her laws. Or there's a penalty for that. But for some reason in the kingdom of God, we truly think, I am brought in this thing, I do whatever I want. When did this become the mantra of the church? That grace was freedom to trample on the blood of Christ. That somehow grace means I come in, make up my own rules, make up my own laws, do my own thing. See, you don't come in this thing yourself and in your own life. You die. The king of this kingdom died first. Amen? And he rose again. And it's why we preach Christ and him crucified. Because you too are called to a death of self. If you desire to follow him, you will deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him daily. I just, Paul says, I die daily. I die and Christ lives in me. There's no other way to be in this kingdom. If you're in this kingdom, a different way. You're in this kingdom because you said a prayer when you were three years old or a priest sprinkled water on you in the church and that's how you're in, you're not in. Because there's only one way. It's through the door. You can't get to American citizenship without following the process. Everything else is outside of it. You will never be a true citizen. You won't understand. You won't appreciate. You won't be a part of her. And in the kingdom of God, you can't come in outside the door. You can't come in without laying down your life. You can't keep your ways and keep his. You can't honor yourself and honor him. It's impossible. And so you don't have the liberty, the freedom, to live by your own set of laws. And Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love him. I love that song, Katie, you were singing. I love that song. Jesus, I love you. Why? Because you care. You gave yourself for me. I love you because you loved me first. He reached to us first. He made the way for this kingdom. Man, he's the fisherman taking me across the river. He's the people securing my flight from, from Thailand to America. He's the court offering me a chance to swear allegiance. He's the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega. He's the king of this kingdom. But he's not absent. He's playing the active role at every part and every piece, everything I'm doing. It's in him. Thomas Jefferson said this. I prefer dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. I prefer dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. Isn't that a great quote? You see, we don't really believe that today. In America, there is no such thing as dangerous freedom. No, we know there is, but the country doesn't believe that. We got a generation of kids taking advantage, generation of young people listening to those above them lie and deceive and, and talk them into chaos. You are seeing it in these coastal cities, are you not? You've got a nation of people that prefer peaceful slavery. They want to be given and they're entitled everything that they want. And if they don't get it, they will throw temper tantrums of violence, their corruption, lying, sexual immorality, impurities, all kinds of filth, all kinds of things dangerous to their life and dangerous to those around them. They live in peaceful slavery. They're enslaved to their own lusts, enslaved to their own passions. They're tossed to and fro by the people in power, by the media, by these things that sway the hearts of young people. The passions of the youth are being, are being taught and swayed 
in slavery-type directions. George Washington said, No man should hesitate for a moment, get this right, to use arms in defense of so valuable a blessing as freedom, on which all the good and evil of life depends. No man should hesitate for a moment to defend freedom because all of the good and evil on life hinges upon this. Christian person, may I present to you that in the land of opportunity of the kingdom of God, that we should not hesitate to defend the faith, to defend Christ at every opportunity because upon Him and in Him hinges all that is good. Outside of Him is all that is evil. Why should we sit back and when we hold such a truth when we hold such truth as the founder said to be self-evident, we know Christ, we know His Word. Don't hold back on the defense of what is right and what is good. The enemy is trying to steal from your children. And if you pr prefer peaceful slavery, you will lose your kids to destruction because the thief comes to steal kill, destroy. The chaos you're seeing at the border right now today is a result of years and years of poor management of the law. A law already in place to protect your borders and it's not enforced and it wasn't used. Finally, some politicians got in and said, we're going to build a wall. We're going to man that wall. We're going to arm that thing. But there's already laws in place. In short, follow. Because in peaceful slavery, you can be tossed any direction and you start to judge the law of the land by a different standard. You start to reject the history of it. You start to reject the word of it. So it is in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have churches today that will not teach you the word of God. They will not break open the scripture and say, listen, it's one thing to talk about, you know, homosexuality and transgenderism. Fornication is against God. Come on, if we can't get marriage right, our homes will not be right. You talk to anyone that is studying out truly what's going on in the inner city communities, and they're going to tell you officers, psychologists, psychologists, uh, human studies, they're going to tell you the problem is there's no fathers in the home. The problem is we've got fornication to such an extent that children are being raised in fatherless homes. And that is the foundational reason for the loss of inner city kids, why they're committing crimes, why these things. We don't talk about this anymore. We don't want to look at it. But I'm going to tell you in the church, we have stopped preaching Jesus as king. He's not king. We have everything else in charge. Holy Spirit, the word itself outside of Christ, just what I read and what I can study. We have our own set of man's laws, our own self-righteous rules that we make up and we use the word of God to give us a backing, but then we make up the rest. And we present these as the laws to live by, these as the rule of the land. George Washington says no man should hesitate a moment to fight against so valuable a thing as freedom. Is there freedom in Christ? There is freedom in Christ. It is the only place there is true freedom. He sets us free. We use that freedom to pursue Him, not be bound in sin, not be slaves to the flesh, not be slaves to unrighteousness. The freedom He gives us frees us up to come into that door 
to come into that kingdom to swear allegiance to the Lord and say, I am a citizen of heaven. I am a part of your kingdom. I want your name on my heart, your name written in my soul. I want my name on your book, in the Lamb's book of life, and I am a partner in this thing. God, use me. Lord, I'm a servant of you. Jude 1, 3 through 4. I find it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend, to fight for the faith which was once delivered to all saints. Understand what was originally laid down here, church, and contend for that. Christ and Him crucified. Fight for the gospel for certain men. There are men who've crept in. They weren't noticed. Long ago were marked out for this condemnation as ungodly men who turned the grace of God into lewdness. It's sensuality and shamelessness. And deny the only master and Lord of us, Jesus Christ. They deny the Lord. And they bring in shamefulness. They bring in sensuality. Have you started to see this in our worship music on full display? I'm seeing this all across our country in worship services. I'm seeing what was once in the 60s called rock concerts and, and sexual revolution is now in the church in the form of worship music. That, that was at one time in the 60s and 70s, the churches called that out. They said, this is going to lead to sexual perversion, and the sexual revolution is born. And now today, just a couple generations later, we want it in our worship services. I'm not here to condemn everybody who plays a modern song or everybody who does turn the lights down in their worship service. But I am telling you right now, there's a spirit out there and that spirit is contrary to Christ. He's not the king. He's not the Lord. It is peaceful slavery. Again, it brings a, a comfort. It brings a little level of, I feel good in this house. I feel good with what you're preaching. I feel good with this music. It's about me. That's sensuality. Go somewhere where you're challenged. Open the word of God and let God challenge you. Let that word pierce and divide. Man, if we settle... For the peaceful slavery of the enemy, it's a matter of time before he reaps destruction and he will kill our children. I'm so thankful that I had my eyes open to homeschool. Now, I'm not saying everybody here has got to rush out and homeschool. I'm not telling you that. But I am saying this. If we don't take charge of the education of our children, we are going to lose them, period. So one way or the other, you've got to take charge but it's peace to not worry about them. There's some peaceful slavery to just say, you know what? we got to make enough money that we can have the cars we want and take the vacations we want and buy the stuff we want and get the dinners we want. I mean, I could probably use less dinner. Get the dinners we want. I want comfort. I want peace. I want to have what I have. I want the physical attributes in this land of opportunity. And it's a lot of work if I do the spiritual side. So there's some peace and some slavery going on if I ignore what my children need to hear. I have got to educate them on the Lord. My primary purpose, husbands, wives, primary purpose in the home is not to teach them arithmetic, not to teach them how to read and write. Your primary purpose is to teach them about Jesus Christ. He's the King. He's the Lord of Lords. He laid His life down for the sheep. 
It's his pasture. He go, you go in and out from him. Everything is centered in him. Why is he the last thing we add on? Why is the first thing we do about us? The first thing I do is about my kingdom. It's the sports we do. It's the education we have, the job we have, the things we have, the home we provide. All that stuff is listed first in our home is what I need to do. And the last thing is teach about Jesus. And so when I have ball games on a Wednesday night, ball games on a Sunday, when I've got stuff to do where the, the, the doors of the Lord's house are open, I've got something else or somewhere else to do to be at. It's peaceful slavery. Because the Lord is not beating down your door to make you serve Him. He's the door. The call goes out. You answer it like Henry made the way. His mom saved the money. They worked their tails off. They risked their life. They got in that canoe, thought they would die, but they got there. They got through it. They came all the way to the land of opportunity, and they said, we want to be a part of this great nation, and it cost me something to get here. I had to fight for my freedom. I had to fight for it. Dangerous freedom is much better than peaceful slavery. This land of opportunity has bountiful fruit. John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. There's nothing you can do in this kingdom outside of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, it's bountiful. It reminds me of the promised land. It reminds me of when those, those Israelites scouted out the land and they saw the bountiful fruit, the land of opportunity. There it all is, but there's giants. Man, we're not going to get freedom without a little bit of danger. You are not going to have freedom in your life in Christ if you're not willing to lay down yourself, deny yourself, take up your cross. Those strongholds have got to come down. The giants have to come down. I know, men, you have to provide. We have to go and work. But you've got to lay that provision at the feet of your king. He's in charge of this land. This is what God has been teaching me. You've got to bring this to me. Go out and work, but I'm in charge of, of, of what the production is. Man, there's a lot of areas here. An opportunity in the kingdom of God. But if we ever get ahead of ourselves, what does the scripture say? Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, Dustin. Is that what it says? Don't think of myself higher than anyone else. Well, I'm better educated. I'm a better salesman, so I deserve. I do this, so I'm better. Right, Dustin? That's one of the things God showed me about Went to work for BG Corporate. Having a great time. Thank God there was a few brothers in this church that said, Hey, Chris, I don't think you're seeing everything clearly. I said, What are you talking about? I'm honoring God. I'm working hard. I'm seeing the Lord. I'm being blessed. But yes, but Chris, is it about Jesus? Are you going in and out and finding pasture from within that door? Is He in you? Is He why you're doing what you're doing? Are you in this kingdom for Him? Or are you in this kingdom for you? Those were the perspectives I was missing. I'm looking at a career path and I'm saying, but I'm honoring God. I'm tithing. I'm not sinning. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do. I'm loving my wife. I'm loving my children. But, but Chris, are you honoring Jesus? Is this kingdom about Him or is it switched? I wanted the opportunity that the Lord provides. And to do that, I have to be focused on Him. Always. There's never a time in His kingdom that you can focus on yours. Never. There is never a time it's not about Him. It's not when it comes to you, your children, your career. 
your brothers and sisters. It can never be about you or your gain. When it becomes that, the kingdom will break around you because you're going to move from his kingdom to the enemies. You leave that door, and communist China comes in through North Vietnam. And those communists come in, and they kill every ally you have that was spiritually good in your life. We have seen this. We have seen disciples come through our church. We have seen people come through and get Christ and find freedom and get to a place where they say, God is in me. God has forgiven me. God has washed me clean, only to go back out in the world and the enemy destroy every relationship they had that was good, destroy every person that had influence in their life. You don't think it's possible. You start denying the Lord's kingdom. You start living for yourself in His kingdom, and you'll find yourself alone on a riverbank, shot dead by a communist. I know that's a really dark picture, but that's what the enemy wants to do. I'm almost done. we got two more. There is unlimited wisdom and knowledge in this land of opportunity in the kingdom of God. Colossians 2.3, in Christ in whom is hidden all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. Church, there's nowhere else to go. You need financial advice. You need medical advice. You need help in your life in any way. There is one with all wisdom and knowledge of all time. Why would we not seek his counsel? Jake, it's trusting Jesus in a hospital bed. We hope the medicine works, and it has, because God has allowed healing to come, but... Ultimately, we live and die in Christ. We trust Him with that alone. All wisdom, all knowledge is hidden in Jesus. When did we think it was hidden in man? At what point did we as a nation decide to send our kids to school systems and leave them be and not follow up on what they're being taught? We thought wisdom and knowledge was an American uh, society of materials. It was in their education system. No, it's not. We should teach them how to read, teach them how to write. I love when Henry got taught English and got taught arithmetic. He said it took him to another level of freedom. And we should do that with the heart of the king at its core. This is what God had the Jews do. They taught their children about one God, one Lord. That's what they taught them. And everything within that knowledge and wisdom was about God. This land of opportunity is about family, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. He who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another to stir up good works, not abandoning the assembling of ourselves together. Exhort one another so much more as you see the day approaching. The day is coming when this thing's going to come to an end. The king of this kingdom right now is returning for this kingdom. It's going to come to an end. The Bible says that fire will literally burn up every element in this world. It's not if it happens, it's when. The king of the kingdom has told us, hey, I'm returning at some point, and this thing will be over. In the meantime, I've got some work for you to do. Get in this kingdom. It's all about me. You don't have to worry about figuring anything else out other than Jesus. You come into Christ. You stay in Christ. You live and move and have your being in Jesus Christ. Everything else is going to take care of itself in this kingdom. But he's returning for it. It will end. So in the meantime, we've got one another. This church body is so close. We have to remain close. Not to build something about Echoes of Calvary, Pastor. It's not that we want to have just this group as a name. The name we're trying to promote is the king. 
We're not trying to promote our name. But together, we are something. Together, we are somebody in Christ. We're the body of the Lord Jesus. And to not take this serious is to be absent from His kingdom. Because this is what He said He's building. He's actively building His church. For me to ever come to a point where I say, I don't need the body of Christ. I can get it at home. I don't need the fellowship or the stirring up of one another to good works. I don't need that. Is to leave His kingdom. Because this is what He's doing. It's me to look the Lord in the eye and say, I love everything about your kingdom. I love coming in. I love the pasture. I love your words. They're great. I love to read them. I give tithes to things that I can in honor of you, but I don't want a fellowship with the brethren. I don't want to be a part of a church. I don't want to hear the word of God preached. I don't want to talk to a brother about what I'm reading or seeing. We're telling the Lord, I don't want to be a part of your kingdom. I've been there. I have been there on the cusp of walking out because I wanted peaceful slavery. <laughs> That's a bad place to be, finally. The solemn purpose of this kingdom is to reveal Christ to the world. Everything in this kingdom is about its king. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We hold the treasure of who Christ is in our earthen vessels. We are the body of Christ. We are that city on a hill. He said, let the light shine. Don't, don't, don't quench the light. What light do we have? Our good works? Our self-righteousness? My good education? My American heritage? My, my privilege and finances, if I had it? I don't think anybody here has that. We don't have to worry about it. But that's not what separates me. That's not the light that I have. The light I have is Christ. Romans 14, 17 through 18, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And joy is not being happy every moment. Joy is not you being happy and everything going perfect. Joy is not that everything is awesome. Everything is, that's not joy. Joy is found in the King. Joy is knowing the King of Kings, knowing the Lord of Lords, understanding, God, you have called me in this thing. You have saved me, washed me, cleansed me. I didn't earn this. I didn't prove it because I was some good person, but God alone has saved me and washed me. And, and, and in that, I can say I have joy. I have joy because I'm in His kingdom. The enemy can come at me. He can try to destroy me, but I'm going to fight freedom. I'm going to use the Word of God and what God has done in my life in a hospital room. I was on the floor with my back hurt some years ago. And after a few days of not being able to move, in weeping, tears, and sorrow, I said, God, I may never walk again. I mean, what a drama, drama queen I was. Sorry, Sandy. I don't know what that was about. But I was crying out to the Lord. I don't, know, I don't think I'll ever walk again. I don't know. I said, you are in me. I don't care where you're at, what you're doing, what pain you're in, what is going on. You have joy in the Lord. Man, that correction hit my soul. I thought, you know, if I die, I'll be in Christ. What? I know it, Pain is awful, and I'm, I'm a bit of a wimp on pain. Pain stinks. But the location that I'm at at all times is in His kingdom. It's in Him at all times. Paul said, shipwrecked, abased, rich, poor, persecuted, stoned to death, left for dead, he's in Christ. Amazing. Amazing. Now, finally, we're going to end on something that 
touched my heart. When Henry was speaking, it, it made me think. Some years ago, we went to Gettysburg. <clears throat> we got to walk those grounds, drive those grounds. And, and when you're at a location where thousands of Americans died, where they killed one another, brothers killing brothers, there was something about that battlefield, Pastor, that just, there's a presence there. There's a respect and an awe. We get inside the museum, and the Gettysburg Address is there, and it's, it's lit up, and it's separated out. It's honored. It's probably the greatest speech, probably the most quoted of any U.S. president is the Gettysburg Address. Henry was talking and sharing his testimony, and I, I had to be lying if I told you tears weren't falling out of my eyes. As I thought back to this, Abraham Lincoln said, it is for us the living to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought have so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion for the cause which they gave their last full measure of devotion. We are dedicated to Christ, or we should be. The Lord's last full measure of devotion in this flesh was to lay His life down for this church. He bled and died. He did all of it. He was mocked. The Lord is on the cross, unrecognizable. His beard's ripped out. He is bloodied and bruised and swollen to the point they do not recognize Him. He's naked in shame and mocked. This is your king? This is the one? He goes through this entire process laying his life down for us. He raises it up again. Shows himself. Hundreds, 500 people at one time. Most likely thousands of people witnessed the resurrection of Christ. Only to ascend some 50 days later. Only to ascend. And to come back 50 days later at Pentecost. We were to pick up where he left off. The physical ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is bringing the kingdom of heaven now. He preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I don't know why the Lord chose to do this, but he chose to ascend in a way that he'd fill us with his spirit so that we would take up in the same devotion, being the physical body of the Lord on this earth, promoting his kingdom. There is a devotion that the Lord took to humble Himself to the form of a servant all the way to death, even the death of the cross. And the result is those of us in this kingdom are to pick up that same passion. Not because we just make a decision to do that, but because we make a decision to follow Him. We make a decision to live in Him, to lay down my desire and take on His. And His desire is to bring this kingdom into your family, into your homes, into your worlds. As a bright light of Christ shining forth, this kingdom is the land of opportunity. Greater than any immigrant has ever desired freedom of America, the Christian should desire the kingdom of God. We desire it as if starving, as if dying of thirst, the hunger and the thirst for righteousness will save us. Amen. God bless you, Pastor.